Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Uh, let's open up the Word of God this morning. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 18. Uh, and while you're turning, uh, I'll just get before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. Your Word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that while these people may hear me speak naturally, they hear your Spirit speak right to their heart whatever they need to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I had it big in my heart to teach on the pain of betrayal. Hmm. Uh, So uh, I know that's very specific, uh, but, you know, it's just one of those things that I think we need to to talk about. Uh, This series is entitled, When Life Hurts, and I think all of us have had life hurt us, and some of our greatest hurts often come through people. Uh, Now, I honestly believe that as you grow spiritually, it ought to be hard to offend you. (laughs) Anybody else uh, agree with that? That we can't get upset with every little thing somebody does. If they left us out of a group text or had somebody at their house and didn't invite us or saw us in the supermarket and didn't say hi or any of those types of things, uh, we shouldn't get um, easily offended. And so there's some hurts that are inconsequential. Like in the grand scheme of things, it's like with proper communication and time. It's no big deal. Uh, But then there are other things that are not inconsequential. There are other things that cut deeply um, and that hurt us significantly. And we need to know how to handle these hurts because if we don't handle these hurts correctly, especially in regards to human relationships, it morphs into something called a root of bitterness And we become defiled from the inside out. That word defiled just simply means poisoned. Poisoned from the inside out. And we've got to learn how to deal with these things. People will hurt us. Uh, Sometimes the people who are closest to us hurt us the most. And we become very disappointed. We become very hurt. We become very wounded because of these things that have happened. And we have to know how to walk through it. And we have to know how to navigate it. Because if we don't do it correctly, it'll turn into unforgiveness. And I don't believe there is anything, and when I say this, I mean it, I don't believe there is anything more dangerous to you in this life than unforgiveness. Um, When I was in Africa, this just came up, you know, as a fun story. I don't know if it has anything to do with the message or not, but just it came to my mind. Fun story. One time I I took uh, some guys to Africa for a missions trip, and we decided to go uh, tiger fishing. There's these fish uh, that have, like, teeth, like piranha, but you have to fish with steel line because they'll they'll bite through it. And we're out there on this thing fishing, like, having a blast, like, feeling like a man, you know, adventure, uh, excitement. 
that. And we had a guide by the name of Smiley. He's, he's nicknamed Smiley because he had no teeth. Um, and, <laughs> and out of that, he'd take us around on this airboat. And towards the end, he, he stops underneath this tree. And we're sitting there, and we're, we're looking at each other like, why aren't we stopping? And so we look at Smiley. It's like, do you want us to cast here? Why are we stopping? And he points up, and he says, Black Mamba Tree. And I'm like, what? He's like, black mamba tree. And we look up, and directly above us in these branches were snakes uh, that, look, you know, were as big as the branch. And, and we're, we're like, you know, if you're not familiar with the black mamba, it's like one of the most dangerous, poisonous snakes on the planet. Uh, and so we're looking at him like, what in the world are you doing? Like, you are about to be attacked, sir. And, and like, we will navigate this boat. And he is just rolling with laughter, watching our panic. And then he shoots the boat and we start speeding away. But it's funny, we would look at things like that, like a, a black mamba snake and be like, I would never play. There's the analogy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, you would look at something like that and think, I would never play with that. Like that is so dangerous that I would never kid around with that or play with that. Like we, we have certain things, maybe if you have a gun or something like that in a safe or something like It's like, no, you don't play with that. Like there are certain things you don't play with, you don't handle roughly, you're not careless with. And I'm telling you, from a spiritual perspective, there are certain things you don't play with, but the most dangerous, when you study Scripture, the most dangerous of them all is unforgiveness. If you start messing with that, um, it is something that shuts down every spiritual force in your life. And one of the chief ways it gets there is betrayal. What is forgiveness? Uh, for those of you who like to take notes, here you go. What is forgiveness? Number one, it's bringing their balance to zero. You owe me nothing. We'll look at this in Matthew 18, but just for the sake of time. Number one, bringing their balance to zero. You owe me nothing. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me penance. Uh, you don't owe me, um, you know, something. I, when I forgive you, I'm bringing your balance to zero. You owe me nothing. How many of you know when Jesus forgives you, you don't have to pay him back? Uh, he brings your balance to zero. You don't have to, well, I'll go wash 10 cars for free. And, you know, uh, this is not a penance. This is not coming back and, and punishing ourselves so that he will love us or we can be back in good standing with him. When he forgives us, he brings the balance of the debt to zero. Number, number two, it is no gossip or shame. Uh, I am not un, un, unveiling your mistakes or uncovering your mistakes to others or you. Uh, when God forgives us, he throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, when God forgives us, his love covers a multitude of sins. So when I have forgiven you, I'm not telling 10 other people <laughs> about what you did. I'm not uncovering you. Um, and I'm not unveiling you to yourself. If I've forgiven you, I'm not bringing up your past mistakes. 
If I've forgiven you, I'm not coming back and being like, but you said A, B, and C. When God's forgiven us, it's wiped clean. Though our sins were red like scarlet because of Jesus and his forgiveness, they were made whiter than snow. Um, it's not uncovering. When, when Moses sinned, uh, not Moses, Noah sinned, his first son, when he saw his sin, uncovered it. His other sin, uh, sons, when they saw his sins, covered it. Love will cover a multitude of sin. It just won't talk about it. One of the things that Proverbs says is God hates. God hates when a person sows discord among the brethren. So I'm at peace with you. You're at peace with me. But then someone comes and tells me something you did. And now all of a sudden, I'm not at peace with you. Discord, sows discord among the brethren. If it's not treated, it's transferred. Oh, come on, somebody. If you don't treat it, you'll transfer it. And if you are hurt and you communicate out of that hurt, you will transfer your hurt to somebody else. In your generation, if it's not treated, it is transferred to the next generation. Uh, which is why it's so important that, that we absolutely treat ourselves. But you know what? If you have a scab and you keep picking that scab, it will never heal. And if someone has hurt you or wounded you, betrayed you, and you keep picking at it, it will not heal. It will fester. Uh, love will leave it alone. It's not going to keep talking about it to the person or to others. There is no gossip or uncovering. The third thing forgiveness is, is a desire for reconciliation. Uh, when you've truly forgiven someone and have a heart of forgiveness, you desire reconciliation for them and you desire reconciliation with them. Now, it doesn't mean reconciliation is going to happen, but you want it. You want to be in intimacy with them. You, you want to share life with them. Uh, you want to see them do well. You want to see them be back at the place where they were. You, you don't want to see them punished. You don't want to see them hurt. You don't want to see them wounded. You desire to see them be restored. You desire for the relationship to be restored. When you've forgiven someone, there is a desire. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there's a desire for reconciliation. When I haven't forgiven, or here's what forgiveness is not, and I guess would be the right way to say it, forgiveness is not, number one, losing the right for self-protection. Uh, when I have um, forgiven you, it doesn't mean that I put myself in a position to be harmed by you. There are some people who are dangerous. That's the truth. Um, even the spirit that's on them is dangerous. Um, some people... Uh, you ought not be around who are constantly sowing discord into your heart. Uh, that just all of a sudden you're getting offended by, there ought to be some news. Come on, somebody. You're just not around because you're constantly getting offended at places, people, and things because of the spirit that they are operating under. Some people and some things are dangerous for you. And so it is not putting yourself in a position where you're not protecting yourself. We've got to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So I desire reconciliation, but I also understand that there are some people it's not safe for me to be around. 
Um, forgiveness is not saying I put myself in dangerous positions. Uh, when the, the prodigal son went astray, the father, who is a representation of God, waited for him to come home. He didn't put himself in the pigsty with the prodigal. And so out of that, forgiveness is not losing the right for self-protection. Secondly, um, it is not losing the right to navigate the issue. It is not saying like if somebody is constantly in this place where they're not repenting and they're not changing or modifying behavior and it's causing friction in our relationship, forgiveness is not saying, well, that issue doesn't matter. It's the same way with God. In, in our lives, if God's forgiven us and we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus, thank God for it. But if I come to a place where I don't want to change and I don't want to admit, how many of you know God's heart for me is always kind? But if, but if I'm out there you know, violating something, his spirit will talk to me about it. And it's not condemning. Um, it, it's not like, like a harshness with me, but it's trying to lead me back. It's trying to navigate me out of this issue where I can have intimacy with him and he can have intimacy with me. So forgiveness is not coming and saying, well, this issue, it doesn't matter to me. Does that make sense? It's the spirit in which the communication is had, though. It's not the voice of the accuser. Remember, whenever it's, you did, blank, you're never more like the enemy. He is the accuser of the brethren. I see what is wrong with you, and I'll tell you about it. I see what you need to fix, and I'll tell you about it. That's the voice of the accuser. But the voice of the Spirit is like, there's an issue here. It's a problem. Come, let's navigate this. Let us reason together. It's a, it's a comfortable exchange. So forgiveness is not saying, well, there's no issue here. It'll navigate that issue with the spirit of peace and communication. Number three, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness desires reconciliation, but it's not reconciliation. There are some people that you may forgive that you don't have intimacy with, but you desire it. You desire close fellowship. You desire to see that, uh, but it doesn't mean it will necessarily be there. You want it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's there. Does that make sense? And so number four, uh, it's not a lack of consequences. When someone, when you're walking in forgiveness with someone, it does not mean that there will be no consequences. It just means the consequences will not come from your hand. Uh, when consequences come, it'll not come from your hand. In fact, I, I was praying the other day, and this phrase came up in my heart. Unforgiveness is unbelief. When you're walking in unforgiveness, you're walking in unbelief. You're not believing God said he would do what he said he would do. And you're trying to take vengeance in your own hand. Go over, just for fun. I know we're in Matthew. Hold your place in Matthew. God gave you fingers. We can use them. And, or out of that, uh, you can, if you've gotten one of these Bible tabs, you can do the same thing. Go over to Romans. Romans 12 and verse 19. Unforgiveness is unbelief. Well, there's got to be consequences, Pastor Joel. There are consequences. It's just not coming from your hand. Romans 12, in verse 19 through 21. Never, never. Do you think never means never? Never take your own revenge, beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in doing this, you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. When somebody sins, it is seed going into the ground. And if they don't get the the seed out of the ground, there will come a harvest. Now, the wonderful thing about the blood of Jesus is through his grace and mercy. When we sin, if we we can confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and get that seed out of the ground. And how many of you are thankful for that? But if that seed does not come out of the ground, there is a judgment day. And when that judgment day comes, it's a revelation of the seed sown. And out of that, when people are acting a certain way and sowing those seeds... There is an opening that they are, and we'll talk about this in a minute, there's an opening to the enemy that they are allowing in their life, which is why the greatest act of forgiveness is not saying, I forgive them. The greatest act of forgiveness is what Jesus did on the cross. What did he say? Not I forgive them. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Jesus is watching people betray him, wound him, hurt him, abuse him, slap him, rip out his beard. And what does he talk to the Lord about? He knows, Jesus knows, there are consequences here. And these consequences will not come by my hand. But I know, Father, if they do not change and get their heart right, they are setting themselves up for a season of pain that they do not see coming. And so, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't see what they're doing in their life. They don't see the pain that they are setting up for future seasons. And so, Father, I'm asking you, do not lay this sin to their charge. Uh, Father, I'm asking you to forgive them, because vengeance is the Lord's. Uh, Watch what Paul said. This is both in the New Testament. Uh, Watch what Paul says here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. And they can put it up on the screens. If not, we can turn there. This is Paul talking. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Now that sounds harsh. It's not harsh. It's truth. And sometimes truth is hard. But the truth is, if you go out and you treat people any way you want to treat people, You are sowing seed into your life that at some point it will reap a harvest. And when that harvest comes, it is not God being unjust or God being harsh. It is a revelation of the seed you sowed. And the problem with seed is if you sow an apple seed, you don't get an apple seed back. If you sow an apple seed, you get a lot more than what you sowed. And that can be a good thing if you're sowing good seed. But that can be a bad thing if you are sowing the wrong seed. And so when people are sowing wrong seed into your life, if they don't get that seed out of the ground and repent and change, they are setting themselves up for a harvest that they have no idea is coming into their life. Well, how many of you know on the flip side of that, we don't want to be the people sowing the wrong seed? And out of that, when we become hurt by people, oftentimes we become herders ourselves and we begin sowing seeds of gossip and strife and discord and we don't even see it, but the enemy has used their hurt to make us pay. 
And the way that we pay is not through their hurt. The way that we pay is allowing their hurt to make us become herders ourselves. And we start sowing these seeds in our, li- in, in our lives, and we begin reaping a harvest because of it. Uh, unforgiveness is unbelief. How many of you know there is a judge? We are not him. Amen. Uh, and so out of that, um, forgiveness is not a lack of consequences. It's just that the consequences will not come through our hands. Amen. Um, so Jesus taught on this. And it, it happened in Matthew 18. We can go back there. If your finger's been there for this long, I apologize. <laughs> Matthew 18, in verse number 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. I, I love this because you can tell Peter's trying to be spiritual. Up to seven times. And Jesus said unto him, I do not say unto you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he teaches this lesson. Jesus often taught in stories because Jesus remembered people could, or Jesus knew that people remember stories better than they remember anything else. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, people vary on how much was actually owed here, but suffice to say, it was millions. It was a debt he could never pay, millions. I heard one person talking about this, that it was enough to employ 220,000 people for a year. That's how much money was here. So we're talking millions of dollars, something that he could never pay had millions of dollars uh, that was owed him, and they brought the man who owed it to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Now, let me just stop right here. Anytime Jesus tells a story, a parable, you want to look for two things. Where is God in the story, and where am I in the story? Okay? Anytime there's a parable, where is the Lord, and where am I? When he had begun to settle them, verse 24, the one who had owed him 10,000 was brought to him, 25, but since he, this is us, this is us in the story, did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had. Notice that the penalty for sin did not just touch him, it touched his wife and his kids. The penalty of the debt affected the whole family because if, if it's not treated, it is transferred and all that he had, and the repayment to be made. So the the servant fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that servant felt compassion and released him. What does forgiveness? It's bringing the debt to zero and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owned him a 100 denarii. This would be, we'll just say 20 bucks. Not a lot of money found uh, somebody who owed just a small amount and seized him, began to choke him. Wow. Saying, pay back what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell to the ground, 
began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling. And he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow servant in the same way I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over, handed him over, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Verse 35, my heavenly Father will do also the same to you. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Woo. Three shocking truths from this story to me. Three shocking truths from this story. Number one, God will forgive you of absolutely anything. God will forgive anyone of absolutely anything. It doesn't matter how much you owe. I don't care how wrong it is. Now listen to me. I don't care how wrong your sin is. You look at Scripture, you see David murder someone to cover up his affair. Murder someone to cover up his affair, and God forgave him. You see Samson toy with his anointing, lay his head in the lap of Delilah, and God forgave him. I don't care how wrong your sin is today, it's not bigger than the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how many of you can say, thank you, Lord, for that? No matter what seed you have in the ground, you come to God and you ask for mercy, he gives it every time. In the Old Testament even, there was a guy by the name of Ahab. The Lord spoke to the prophet and says, there is none more wicked in the earth than Ahab. The Lord comes to Ahab and basically tells him, the harvest of your seed is about to hit your life. Ahab hit his knees, tore his clothes, asked for forgiveness. And God spoke to the prophet. He said, turn around. Do you see how Ahab humbles himself? Do you see how Ahab humbles himself? He said, you go back to him and you tell him, it'll not come the way I said. This is the Lord God of mercy. You could owe a million dollars to him. You could owe hundreds of millions of dollars to him and he'd forgive you just with the ask. Have mercy on me. Okay. It doesn't matter how wrong and it doesn't matter how repetitive uh, for the Apostle Paul, when the Lord appeared to him, he said, it's been hard for you to kick against the pricks, meaning the whole time Paul is acting outside of the will of God, abusing, hurting, and killing people. The whole time he's doing it, the Lord is trying to get his attention to stop. It's repetitive. It's not just wrong, it's repetitive. He knows not to do it. There's a prick in his heart. Don't do it anymore. And he keeps doing it anyway. And you know what the Lord did? I said, you know what the Lord did? He forgave him. Like it never happened. Turn Saul into Paul. It doesn't matter how wrong, it doesn't matter how repetitive, the Lord Jesus forgives you. Number two, the second shocking truth from this story is this. Number two, 
Oftentimes, we don't treat those who trespass against us the same way God treats us when we trespass. We don't treat those who wrong us the same way uh, that, that God treats us when we wrong him. Uh, that with this great forgiveness and with this great mercy, God shows us. He, he loves us back to life. But oftentimes, with this great love that's been shown us, we don't show that love to others. And point number three, the shocking truth of, of this is, well, if you can go to the next one, number three. Point number three. It's okay. Number three. When you don't forgive, you open up your life to the torturers. Now, many of these things I don't have time to build out. I'll ask the worship team to come back up to the stage, and we'll get ready to take communion. When you don't forgive, you open up your life to the torturers. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, number one, no grace. No grace. James chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, for those of you who are taking notes. Your life can be more or less grace. Grace is the quality of God that makes life easier. And when you're in pride, you have something in your life that God is asking you to deal with, but you're, you're refusing to deal with it. And when you have something in your life that, that God's asking you to deal with and you refuse to deal with it, you begin losing grace. But if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, grace will come to you. And so when you sense a lack of grace on your life, it is time to just pause and reflect and say, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to show me? And oftentimes, it's a measure of unforgiveness that's there, that grace is lifting, life's getting harder. These things are not as easy to deal with. Uh, there's pride somewhere in my life, and oftentimes it's in this area. I've been hurt, and out of that wound, unforgiveness is festering. And number two, it opens up your life to spiritual oppression. Jesus said that if you don't forgive everyone from your heart, those who have trespassed against you, your life gets handed over, handed over to the torturers. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27, Paul said this. He said, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. You know what the verse before that is? Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Deal with this before it gets in you. Because if you don't, you open up your life to the oppressor. Now today during communion, what we're going to do is we're going to receive forgiveness. Amen. Because God will forgive anyone of absolutely anything, and that means you. It doesn't matter how wrong you've been. It doesn't matter how repetitive you've been with your sin. God will forgive you. Anyone of anything, no matter what the debt is. But we're also going to forgive those who have trespassed against us. I'll tell you a story, because people remember stories better than they remember anything else. My grandmother is um, elderly. She'll be 90 in March. And she's the last on my father's side that I still have in my life. My grandfather passed away, my uncle passed away, my father passed away. They all worked in ministry together. This is making a long story very short. They all worked in ministry together. After my father got saved, filled with God's spirit, he started Word of Life, they all came to work for him. My grandfather was the head usher. 
My grandmother was his personal assistant. And my uncle was the, the college age and then singles director and then associate pastor. And for years, we had just a, a close family. Um, my father, because of his upbringing, um, would often have me around my uncle because my uncle was, was that guy who was an outdoorsman and my father knew he was kind of limited in that area. So my uncle taught me how to hunt, taught me how to fish, drive a four-wheeler, you know, stuff a man should know. Uh, you know, th that kind of thing. And um, just so close. For my grandmother and my grandfather, I think I was with them as much as I was with my own parents. We did everything together, family together, Christmas together, church together, work together. But wherever there is connection, the enemy will try to breed division. And through a process of events, word of life began to grow. And my father brought in um, people to help him grow it. And up till that time, it had been primarily a family ministry. All the family in kind of key positions. But my father brought in an office manager, and that sowed a lot of, of confusion because now family is not just answering to family. They're answering to somebody who's not family. And out of that, family felt a little slighted by that. Uh, my father oftentimes would, would kind of, you know, just expect people to get over things and, and not necessarily navigate those issues with communication. And things began to fester. Things began to grow. And this division began to just get in people. Um, my uncle would preach, but sometimes my father would, would see some things that maybe he shouldn't say. But instead of telling him that, he just cut off some of those opportunities. And my uncle took that hardly, uh, harshly, as you can imagine. And uh, out of this, long story short, um, my uncle left our church and started a church. And that hurt my father because it was done in a way, in my father's opinion, that was fast, not communicated. And then my, my grandmother and my grandfather went with my uncle. And so did some other church people. And it, it hurt my father. It hurt my uncle. It hurt my grandfather. And it hurt my grandmother. But this family that was once so close uh, was not anymore because everyone felt betrayed. My father felt betrayed. My uncle felt betrayed. My grandfather felt betrayed. My grandmother felt betrayed. And it was hard for everyone. Now, I'm a teenager at this time, young, like 13. And I'm watching all this play out, and I don't know the full severity of it other than I'm not seeing my grandparents anymore. And I'm not seeing my uncle, and I'm not seeing these family activities. I knew my uncle had started a church. Honestly, I didn't see why that was a bad thing. But I just knew something is, is going on. No Christmases together, no Thanksgivings together. I can remember being at the top of the stairs listening to my, my father and my mother on, on the day before Christmas Eve and just hearing my mom hold my father as he wept because he wanted to see his mom on Christmas. But no one would pick up the phone. And my father was indomitable. Nothing could overcome him. 
on the outside. It didn't matter if it was out here, he'd beat it every time. He'd lick it. Drug addiction, done. No education, no diploma, no high school diploma, doesn't matter. With God, all things are possible. Buildings are being built. Never saw my father sick a day of his life. That's the truth. I could tell you mere indomitable. He was my hero. But on the inside, he was hurt. And I can remember him uh, waking up. And uh, I'd, I'd go by his office and see him come out of his office, and I knew he had slept there on the floor, just so hurt, just so wounded by it. In fact, one of the biggest things that I talked to the Lord about, as I said, I wish I, I could have, he could have lived long enough for me to get older and just be a friend who would push past the, 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 the armor. Like Naaman, like you wear the armor, no one can see the leprosy. But the little servant girl standing behind you sees what you're trying to hide. And just take off the armor. Let's go dip in the water. But it festered. And it grew. Same for my uncle. Same for my grandmother. Same for my grandfather. And it opened up their life to things that, uh, that hurt them, wounded them. I was going through my, my grandmother's stuff. She's getting older. I found this box of cards, and I saw this, this note my father wrote in this season to his father, Hal K. Sims. It was on a little stock envelope. And he said, forgive me for sending this, this kind of card. It's what I found here as I was praying for you. Happy Father's Day. He said, Dear Dad, I'm sorry for the lack of Father's Day cards this year. I just really couldn't find one to say what was on my heart. So much has happened to hurt our relationship. But I'm doing my best to bear no wrong feelings in my heart towards you. Too bad we cannot undo some of the things in life. Or I would ask God for a do-over for you and I. And please don't feel like I don't love you. Because oftentimes I find myself unconsciously praying for you. It's very uncomfortable for me to be around you still. But maybe that's just me being protective of my feelings. One day, we'll all be in heaven together and see how small all these things can be. Until then, know I love you, Dad. Your son, Ron. I had the privilege of when my father passed away to connect with my uncle, to connect with my grandfather and my grandmother. Come back to life with them again, preach my uncle's funeral, heard his hurts, saw how the, the devil made him feel betrayal. I just felt today so strongly I was on a mission for somebody. I don't know who you are. And I don't know what's going on in your family or your marriage or in a business. But I just want to encourage you. Nothing is worth this. Nothing is worth the torturers. You forgiving somebody is one of the highest forms of self-love you could ever have. If you love you, you'll forgive them. 
how small all these things can be. So let's stand to our feet. If you haven't gotten communion elements, you can get them out. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you because of the shed blood of Jesus and his broken body. I am forgiven of absolutely everything. Today, I forgive myself for every wrong, every sin, every mistake. I am forgiven. It's under the blood. And today, Father, I also forgive everybody for everything. And I say, in Jesus' name, I will not take my life down the path of hurt and betrayal. It is over. It is under the blood. And today, I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in freedom. And I thank you, Father. Your hand is on my life. It's on my family. And I give no place to the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. By the blood of Jesus, I've been washed clean. And by the blood of Jesus, I forgive anybody for anything that has hurt me right now in Jesus' name.